0: We want to thank all of you that uh, joined with us for the uh, National Day of Prayer and uh, helped with the luncheon and uh, joined us in the evening for prayer. Uh, It was a wonderful day. We thank you for your help and your participation in that. Uh, A lot of our sisters are gone. There's about 55 ladies away at a women's retreat. That's why it's real quiet in here. And they're having a great time. And uh, uh, so just pray for these men that are taking care of the children and coping. Uh, Turn, if you will, to John 13. We will begin at verse 12. Jesus is in the upper room. We're going to read two other passages to show you what was going on before the upper room. And then we'll look at a passage in Luke and tells you what was going on in the upper room. And then we'll try to share some thoughts, what Jesus says to us, and see how greatness takes time to stoop, to serve. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments, remember he had stripped himself of them, He stripped down to a slave's uh, inner garments. And he reclined at the table again. He said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? The answer, no. They do not know what he did. He said in verse 7, Do you understand what I did? No, they didn't. They just saw a physical act being done they missed the spiritual parable being acted out in front of them. They were clueless of the spiritual depth of what's happening. One depth is just physical feet being washed. On the other hand, he's speaking of spiritual cleansing. He's modeling to them what leadership in his church will look like and what the body in the future will what kind of operation they will operate from. Will it be the Gentile model that they grew up with? Or what's happening? Christ is introducing a radically different model of what leadership and what greatness in his kingdom looks like. So he says, You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. Comment. Some of you are calling him the right name, but you're not living the right model. You can be right on the theology and wrong on practice, right? You can know all the names. Watch. If I then the Lord and the teacher washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I give you, I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Now, there's some groups that actually wash feet. Have anyone ever been in a foot washing service? Yeah, yeah. Uh, In a way, I admire anybody that would do anything that looks like obedience. Nothing wrong with it. But I think it's a deeper meaning than that. And the the real washing they needed was a spiritual one. So I think the washing is picturing servanthood serving one another, and there's a lot of dirty feet in the church, and you don't need to wear a towel to church. You probably need to wear an attitude of which you're willing to serve. But he said, I gave you an example, and I want you to do as I did. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is the one who is sent greater than the one who sent him if you know these things you are blessed if you do them it's a gentle way to say if you just do what i did you're going to be blessed just a not a strong rebuke as much as if you want to be blessed emulate me i do not speak of all of you i know the ones i have chosen but it is that the scripture may be fulfilled he who eats my bread Has lifted up his heel against me. From now on, I am telling you before it comes to pass, so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am He. Truly, truly, I say to you, He who receives whomever I send receives me, and He who receives me receives him who sent me. A magnificent picture of a stooping servant, Christ, in this upper room. But I want to show you two other passages to give you a contextual feel of what's going on in these men. What what actually is their attitude? Go back to Matthew 20. Matthew 20. And see, as Christ is telling them in verse 17, uh, we're going to Jerusalem, and I must be delivered up to be killed by the Gentiles. I thought you should know that. I'm going to be scourged. I'm going to be crucified. Now, what if someone told you that on the way somewhere and you said, "Uh, go with me. I'm getting ready to be killed. I just wanted to serve you notice. Would that have any effect on what you would have to say to them? Watch. Then the mother of Zebedee, Came to Jesus with his sons, bowing down, making a request of him. In other words, he's on his way to Jerusalem, he'll probably be there within a day. And he said to her, What do you wish? She said to him, Command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may sit one on your right and one on your left. Great sensitivity. And it's believed from the other Gospels that the boys put it in the mouth of their mother to make the request. And this woman is the sister of Mary, the mother of Jesus. It's believed to be Salome. So it's their auntie, the aunt of Jesus. Would you get a favor for us? And uh, he says, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink? Oh, yeah, we can. So he sees to it that they're martyred. They do die a vicious death. And when the others heard this, the other ten, they became indignant. Christ says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great men exercised authority over them. Gentile Roman authority in Palestine. Watch. It is not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. Wait, greatness is servanthood? That's what he said. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave-owned property. Watch, watch. Just as the Son of Man, what I'm asking you to do is exactly what I'm doing among you. I'm among you as one who serves. I'm among you as a slave. I'm not here to dominate, rule over you, although I am Lord of all creation, although I'm God of very God. I came among you as a slave servant. So emulate me, whatever you do. And by the way, as a slave servant, I will die and purchase you. But I'm leaving you a model of what leadership in my household is going to look like. Then go to Luke 22. Luke 22. Verse 24. They've already taken the bread. Remember me. They've taken the cup. Remember me. Isn't this a blessed thing? Come on. What if Jesus was here today, and he broke the bread and said, take, this is my body. Here's the juice. Take and drink. This is my blood. Is that a magnificent environment? Say amen. I give a cue card. You're supposed to talk back. They're not just rhetorical. I want to hear you. Now watch verse 24. They're in the upper room. He's broken the bread. He shared the cup. And there arose a dispute among them as to who is the greatest. Could you imagine that while we're serving communion Sunday morning, two of the deacons get in an argument in front of all of you. Who's the best man? What a setting to have an argument about who's the greatest. And this is exactly where they're doing it. I, I, I wouldn't believe it if it wasn't in Scripture. Take them out and hang them. You couldn't be more insensitive. You couldn't be surely You've been with him three and a half years, and that's what's on your mind in the shadow of the cross. We're, we're less than 12 hours from him being crucified, and this is what's on your mind? Yes, it is what's on our mind. There will be no first if Christ doesn't go to the cross. There will be no first if Christ doesn't get a kingdom. Why don't you get preoccupied with him? But they're preoccupied with theirself. And it goes on the same thing as the Matthew. The kings of the Gentiles they lorded over them, but it will not be this way with you. But the one who is the greatest among you must be the pope. Must be the pastor. Be like the youngest, and that was that culture that you weren't even heard until you were thirty years of age. Couldn't even talk in adult conversation till thirty. You are seen not to be heard. The leader will be like the servant. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Why, it's the one who reclines at table. But I am among you as one who serves. Be like me, I am the model. I just read a great line by Charles Spurgeon. I had rather be overseeing six free men who loved me and that I could lead by influence than to be the dictator over a whole nation that I had to subjugate? How do we lead? What is the model in the midst of God's church and among God's word on how we get the work done? Well, in light of this context, let's Notice four things about the posture Christ takes in this room. First of all, love gets on its knees. He said in verse 1 of 13, I want to show you how much I love you. So you can never take this posture until you come to love the people you're serving. And I ask you, would you want to be buddies with these 12 men? Men that are arguing, men that are competing, one that's already sold you out for 30 pieces of silver, and another 11 that will abandon you that night. You know what it's kind of like to me in reverse? Do you ever see the uh, a series Undercover Boss? It's like if Jesus was playing the undercover boss and he comes on as a servant and he's examining how The the kingdom's going to be operated in his absence. How the church is going to be run in his absence with these 12 guys and one eliminated. And if you see that series, you know, it's very moving. Some nights I'm very moved by it to see someone working at an assembly line or a fast food place. And people just doing an outstanding job and they don't know the boss is next to them. And others might be deadbeats. And he's seen bad practices that is hurting the business or the company. And the way the series usually winds up is at the end of it, you know, he calls all of them to headquarters. And those have just done a great job and didn't even know who he was. You know, he'll pay tuition for their child, or he'll send them here. He does these great deeds because they were so motivated in his absence. It didn't matter if the boss was there or not. They were doing a great job. What Christ is doing here, he should have fired everybody in the room. Don't give any of these jokers a promotion. Fire them. Start all over. Is this the best you can do, Jesus? Come on. Can't you pick people better? Surely this is the best you can do. We interview people for jobs, and we still at times get people, how do we wind up with this? No one in mind right now, but I'm just saying, you know, all over the place. So I want us to think of the posture of a stooping servant. One, the only way you can explain it is, he had a love for them that is seemingly incomprehensible. To know all of the competition, the density, they don't get it, they don't understand it. And he just says, I would like to show you how how thoroughly I love you, and I can only do it by stooping. Love on its knees. And... Uh, that's why you can't be this kind of a servant unless God does a work in your heart. Because people are not lovely apart from the work of God. I never forget what Barney Ayotte said when he was with us, who was our missionary to New Guinea. Someone said, aren't the New Guinea people lovely? Wonderful. He said, there's some of the filthiest, dirtiest, most vicious, murderous people on the planet. But Paul said to the Corinthians, the love of Christ constrains me, not the loveliness of the people. He said, I'm in New Guinea because Jesus is wonderful. And Jesus told me to go there. Well, uh, something else about the posture. In verse 4, of course, he uh, took off his outer garments. He strips down to the dress of a slave. Uh, he takes the towel, he takes the basin, everything about his posture is offensive to them, because this is not the way a king acts among his subjects. The king must be bowed down to, and here he takes the towel, and he strips himself, and he's just acting out in parable the very attitude he wants them to get, and never forget. Uh, he said he knew who he was. He knew where he was going. And so when he had a vertical image of himself, his, his worth wasn't coming from his audience. His worth, I already know who I am. I know where I'm going. I know I've got all authority. So I'm free to be a servant to you because I don't get my worth from what you think about me. I'm not polling you to find out who I am. I already know who I am. All servants have figured out who they are before God. And that's why they could be poured out. Other folks are always trying to get all their worth, trying to get all the pats. And, and do you know who I am? How wonderful. You know, I want to be first. I want to be seen. I want to be recognized because you're not a servant. Not this kind. Or if you pay me, I'll do anything. The world's dirty jobs. Now, and uh, fourthly, I think what's interesting, in this stooping posture, he knows he's washing the feet of dirty men and he's dealing with characters that are not worth a dime in his time of trial. Let me give you five things I think we can learn from this and give us the pattern. For a stooping servant. Five things. There's much more. But I just picked these up. First of all. To do this stooping posture. Like Jesus did. It is in total contrast. To the world's way. Of doing things. Our kings. Our officials. Are carried on thrones. They're given miters. They're given long robes. All this fuss and carrying on about their position, like the Queen of England, all that pomp, circumstance, that is the way you do it. And if you're under the boot of the Roman Empire like they were, where the emperors declared themselves to be gods, you couldn't get high enough without becoming deity. He says, uh, if you take this stooping position like me, it will be in contrast to anything in the world. Listen to Richard Nixon, that humble man. No one becomes a major leader without a strong will or without a strong ego. Unless he believes in himself, he is not going to persuade others to believe in him. And what a disaster he became. The Greeks, when you use the word uh, servant, diagonos, our word for deacon, they despised it. Two attitudes, the Greeks despised work, and uh, the Romans despised that, the Greeks despised even physical, everything had to be mental, had to be wisdom. And the Romans despised servitude on any level. We come to conquer and to be served. Listen to what the Greeks said. In the Greek eyes, serving is not very dignified. Ruling and not serving is proper to a man. The formula of the wise men said, how can a man be happy when he has to serve someone? They said service only has meaning if you serve the state, but you must not serve anybody else. Servanthood is despised and the Romans despised. They would not even tolerate the term humility. There was no room in Roman thought that a man is humble. Out out of the question. Humility is not a virtue. It's an insult. It's a sign of weakness. Uh, Judaism at this time. The the rabbis and them, they never served the people hands-on. They would collect alms to meet needs. So they'd take an offering, but it would never be hands-on. Never come in contact with who you're helping. Just send an offering. Send money. A little bit different than when we go down to the park in Rodeo, and we actually touch these children, touch these parents, feed these people, paint their faces, give them gifts, get their name, interact. Wow, they might be dirty. I guarantee you they will be, just like you were. When Jesus found you. And so, uh, if you want to serve this way, you won't find any models in the Fortune 500 companies. Oh, their humility brings them bucks. In this kingdom, it doesn't bring you bucks. It brings you fulfillment, but not bucks. Two, to be like this kind of a servant, it's a self-chosen outlook. Nobody can make you a servant. And he told the Philippians, uh, you're quarreling among each other. But I'm telling you, if you want fellowship, if you want comfort of the Spirit, if you want the benefits of the Christian fellowship, this attitude must be going on in you at all times. And it's a present tense. It's a all the time. You must be having this attitude in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who although being in the exact representation of God, the form of God, he emptied himself, he humbled himself, he took the form of a slave, became like a man, and not just died, but he died a criminal's death on a cross. What is this all about? I'm telling you, Philippians, you need to start thinking like Christ in the church if you not, don't want to destroy the fellowship. Because the moment you turn on each other, you devour each other. It is the thinking of Christ that is con- to control the thinking we have towards one another. We're either a building full of, uh, I want to be first, my needs first, my way, my attitude, my opinion first, or we could be supernaturally a bunch of stooping servants. I'm here to meet needs. I think of what we often hear statistically, that 20% of the people give 80% of the money. And we, I hated that statistic, but I've seen it. it. It's true here. And you're gracious people, but... We have 500 people who give less than uh, $200 a year. Where they got that, I don't know. Maybe they went to the Catholic Church, we just drop in five bucks. They never learned to be systematic. Or they went to something, they just, they never knew. They don't know anything about giving. So they're not giving very much. And uh, that's why we're $33,000, and we ought to be $100,000 over it. We ought to be abounding. We ought to have more money than we need. But there's only 20% that give it. And we find that's the same way with service in this church. It's about 20% that do 80% of the work. And sometimes they do three or four different tasks. And the others of you look so rested. And, and, and you just, uh, you fill out evaluation form. Well, I, I didn't like that. They didn't do a good job there. Where were you on that team? Oh, I, I critique, I turned in reports. You know, I'm here to be served. You, you do know that, don't you? If I don't like your nursery, i am finding another church. You do know that's a ch- modern church, don't you? Now, come just hear me preach. We've got the best uh, diaper changers in the world in our nursery. I noticed they we're a little slack on the powder today. My kid needs it. Well, your kid stinks so bad. This called user-friendly talk. We're trying to figure out the parking lot. We can't grow it until we figure out our parking lot, because you see our building's not full, but our parking lot's full all the time. We've got to figure out how to do that. The only way we'll be able to do it is some of us, including me, we can't bring two to three cars to a service. Carolyn drives one, I drive one, Erica drives one. Hey, we got a parking problem. Could all of you guys ride together? Well, that'd be sacrifice. I don't want to be put out. You know I am somebody. I didn't know it until you told me a hundred times. Because you get this served. And I think generationally older people will always say, man, these kids just want to be carried. You know, I hated it when my dad was rained out. Worked iron work. And if you got rained out, that's where I learned to fry an egg because he said, he set a table, read his Bible, not move. Philip, fry me some eggs. I remember 6th Street. I don't know how. Well, I want to end that right now. But I don't want to know how. You're going to know how. Because then we to be rained off for a week. David's gone. Bruce's gone to school. And little baby of the family, you're going to learn to fry eggs because I ain't moving. Go. They called it child abuse. Because, man, when he came home, get this, get that. I'll put in my work today. I'm not coming home for me to wait on a bunch of kids. This is daddy's house. And daddy's been working all day, climbing steel. Grab a clue. And then still we get a generation, honey, did you want me to do that? Well, are you in shape? I'll have to walk with you to it, huh? Well, because they haven't learned to serve, haven't learned to earn their way. Just live off your parents and tell them they didn't do a good job raising you. It's a culture. Culturally, people aren't taught to be servants. That's beneath them. They're taught you're worth a lot, you ought to be served, and it comes right over in church life. That the bigger you get, the more services we're expected to provide. We never answer this question, who does the work? Who pays the bill? Mm. You mean that cost? It cost in time, it cost in money, and it cost in somebody making their body available. And so, uh, he's telling us to be like Jesus, is self-chosen, unless you take this, I'm going to think like him, uh, the culture will shape your thinking. Third thing, uh, when you think like Jesus, this is so simple. I, I hate to call it a point. Uh, when you're a stooping servant, you will meet needs nobody else will even touch. And we're in the room. Uh, where? Where's the servant? I can see the twelve. There's no nominations, no answer. Come on, Judas, you got the money bag. Go out and pay somebody to come up here and wash feet. Oh, no, he's stuffing it in his pocket. He's already made a deal. And Jesus said, I'm going to meet the most obvious need in the room that nobody's humble enough to meet. I'm so sick of so many guys got to get reverend in front of their name. Reverend, my foot. My foot. What they need in front of their name is a servant of Jesus Christ, a slave bought by the Savior. Amen. Cut out the reverend. When did the Bible say, call us men reverend? When did we start deserving reverence? That's reserved for God. And you read those epistles, Paul an apostle by the will of God and servant of Jesus Christ. Jude, the brother of Jesus. But first, I'm a slave of Christ. Besides that, I'm his brother. I'm his half-brother. I grew up in the same house. Why don't you change in your card? A slave of a noble master. I was convicted a while back in my office. I got all my degrees. Because there's a lot of doubt whether I ever got them. And so i have to put them on display but i just heard dr john piper recently he said i have never put my degrees on display i graduated from uh, germany from a school this school i've got earned doctors he's brilliant i've got them all put in a drawer i've got them all under cover because i'm just a pastor and i'm just a slave I don't care if you ever know my degrees. That's not my credential. My credential, have you become conquered by Christ to become his slave? There's your credential. And if you're really conquered, we'll hear water every once in a while. You're washing somebody's feet. You're doing his spirit. You'll be meeting with someone to encourage them. You'll be uh, trying to strengthen a brother. Oh, oh, I remember when we went to Garrison School. Do you remember Garrison, any of you? Uh, There's just a few here that really know, been around. We're over there, and we had to clean up that school. We thought we'd hit the millennium. We thought we were going to get to buy it. And so we jumped in there. this whole church. We carpeted. We cleaned. We painted. We did it. Because we got all this space coming from Holy Ghost Hall to that. We said, man, we've got space. And I tell you, it's moving to go around and watch dignified women in this church on their knees cleaning the toilets, cleaning the urinals, painting, scrubbing, dignified women on their knees. And hallelujah, I get to help us move in. All this free labor. And the school district gave us seven months free rent because of all the sweat labor. I'm impressed when I see service. God's impressed. i I'm was kind of kidding. Dave, my wife came home from our national day of prayer, and she was on the uh, cleanup crew, and a lot of our staff was helping pull off that day. And so she's in the kitchen with Odie and other women, and they're doing all the dishes from uh, serving our mayor and different officials in the city, and uh, they're having a great time. And when Carolyn comes home, it's very interesting. She said, boy, you won't believe who I did disses with today. I said, no telling. She said, Big Dave, he and I work next to each other. I'm more impressed with that than that he's going to get a doctorate pretty soon. Because a doctorate without a servant heart will do the church no good. Will you wash dirty feet? I think when we started Valley. But when you start a church, there's nobody you can delegate you have no deacons. They don't have a board. You don't have a church. You hope somebody sews up. In those early days, we had 48 chairs. Finally got up to 220, something like that. And that old dance hall before we bought it was used for dances and stuff. So Carolyn did the sprain. She had to set up for a Sunday school class in the foyer. My sister Hazel taught some other place. And then we sprayed, we set up the chairs. Sunday night, you preach, you've got to fold all the chairs back up. And you didn't just sit around and just say, man, I hope someone's got the gift. I, somebody's got the gift. to Gift my foot. We've got you, don't we? Well, the Lord hasn't called me to fold chairs. Well, I am. Do it. I was at youth camp one year, and the preacher was telling all of us kids to... Uh, Clean up the grounds. And he said, Hey, hey Howard, get to going. I said, God's called me to preach. I was messing with him. He said, Well, I'm calling you to rake leaves and you better get with it. And he's big, he could handle me. You see, you'll do whatever it takes, whatever it takes. And to be like Jesus, you might be meeting needs nobody else would even touch, like nursery, Sunday school, ushering. How about our security men? Are you aware of how many hours our men put on security Wednesday nights, uh, Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, because we've got Awana, we've got junior high, we've got senior, we've got a security guy or two on duty, every one of those nights to see our cars are not broken into and our kids are not hurt. Thank God for the security men. Not Not even packing a Bible. Ernie and Bob, been doing ushering for so long. They're here, Johnny on the spot with the other people, Sunday school. We can't have what we have unless someone steps forward and takes the towel of a servant, and many of you have. Well, two more things. To be like Jesus is to minister to people who will most likely be dirty, spiritually, in them. And... uh you know, what there's nothing that stinks up a church any worse than dirty feet. People whose lives are dirty from this world that have never got the sin and the muck washed out. They've not been cleansed. It's what makes church life stink. A bunch of dirty saints who haven't come to Christ to confess sin and repent and have him cleanse them. You know, if you don't bathe regularly, we're just talking with some men about being in the military. How bad it is for a soldier's feet to go. If his feet go, his career's over. And um, are you willing to help get saints clean? Now, now let me tell you. There's some of you willing, but you've got a problem. The, all the water you pour is boiling hot you got to get the right temperature. Some of you, you say you're restoring me. I say you're burning me. There is an art to washing feet. Some of you are like throwing ice water on my feet. You've got to learn to get the temperature right if you're going to wash feet. you got to know how to, I know some people in the body, they could really bless you if they were not so obnoxious. I mean, they come on like gangbusters. They come, boom. I I don't know. Don't you all do this? When I get a new doctor, the first thing I judge, I want to see if he's treating me like a number, if he's going to be abrupt, treat me like a dummy. I'm ready to fire him before he's even said, ah. Because I want more than medicine. I want a bedside manner. And in this ministry to one another, yes, we all need cleansing. And I think this is the fifth thing, and this is hard. You may never uh, get any gratitude from those you serve. Would you still do it? There's nobody in that upper room that was applauding Jesus. I mean, come on. They all bail out. They all leave him. Would you be willing to invest your life in helping people If you knew, they may leave you eventually. You see, there's no safe risk to loving people. There's no guarantee. There's no guarantee when you have children. Have you found that out? They may love you. They may not. They may write. They may not. They may call. They may not. Would you have still had them? And some of you would have to think on it long and hard. They better be glad they got here. It doesn't matter. Marriage, it's risky. Who wants to go and have your heart broken? Give your heart totally, and within two years file for divorce. That is not fun for anybody. It's pain. He said, but I really did love them. Don't, no doubt. But they didn't love you. Whatever. And here Christ is taking on the role of a servant, washing the feet of dirty men, and not one man in that room will be any strength. He can't even keep them away when he goes across the Kidron Valley and he goes into a place called Gethsemane. Not one man can stay awake with him during the hour of his trial. Are you sure you want to serve these kind of people? Jesus said, I'm not only going to serve them, I'm going to make them the foundation stones of a church I'm getting ready to build. And I would say, Lord, are you sure? He said, I'm sure. I'm showing them how deep my love will go. I will love them to the point of the cross. And after the cross, I'll send them the help they don't have now. They need the Holy Spirit or they're never going to be faithful to me. And you wouldn't either because you're bailing out with a lot less pressure than they face those 24 hours. We do good folks, they do good. We make serving God so hard because we're so whiny. What if your Savior, you saw him kill within 24 hours? I'd like to ask you this. What would you like to be on your resume if you were Peter? I pastored a large church. I made a great salary. Uh, or would you like it to be on your resume? I stood with Jesus in the shadows of a cross, and I washed his feet when no one else volunteered, and I stayed awake all night with him and prayed just before they executed him. He lost the opportunity of a lifetime. And I have to say this. I thought about preaching. I was talking to Carol on the way to church. I, I love church history. I love revivals. But what do you do when you're not in a revival? Spurgeon, when he went to London, the place exploded. He took a church of 100, and within the matter of two years, he's 25, 10,000 at 21 years of age. Well, we have never had that kind of explosion. What am I going to do, Jesus, if you don't send revival? Keep faithful. Keep preaching. Keep praying. Keep awake. Keep alert. Don't take your eyes off of me. And preach through a dry season in this era of America being given over by God to our sin. I'm told to preach in the days of our decline. Where are the souls? I'm just hoping the saints will keep hanging on. So, how do you stoop? How do you serve? I um, I did a uh, a men's conference a few years back for uh, Harvest Fellowship and Calvary Chapels of Southern Cal, and I was with the guy that works for Greg Laurie and Harvest Fellowship, and he was taking me to this conference it down by San Diego, it was the Bible College for Calvary. Uh, chapels, And so he's taking me down there. John Collins is his name. And he was taking me there. And uh, I was one of the speakers for this large men's conference. And uh, he's telling me about different things. And all of a sudden, he pulls up on the college campus. And he's telling me all about the school, the churches. And all of a sudden, we're just driving through. He's taking me to my room. And he said, you see that guy right there? And I said, yeah. I said, that's the gardener. He said, no, that's Chuck Smith. I said, not the Chuck Smith. He said, Chuck Smith, 80 years old, uh, 80-degree weather that day. It was Saturday. What's he doing? Oh, he comes and does the gardening for the campus. Well, he's the president, Right. He, he started 1,200 churches out of the Calvary Chapel movement, right? He owns a $100 million radio broadcast system, right? I said, who is it? He said, it's Chuck Smith. He does this all the time. You just see him work in the grounds. I said, well, he ought to be in an executive office with his feet up on the desk. He said, no, he just loves to do this. On his knees, he was gardening, doing some stuff. Dr. John Walvoord wrote all of his books at 5 to 7 in the morning, one of the profs told me. He didn't want to work on Dallas seminary time, so he'd come early to his office and write all of his books from 5 to 7. Now, what's interesting, I asked him, I said, well, what, when did he take vacation? He said, oh, he never took over a half a day vacation. Okay, what else? Well, you know when Dr. Walvoord was hired by Lewis Chaffer, Lewis said, we can't pay you, John. We have no money. This is 19, about, oh, it was around 1935. Uh, The economy wasn't booming in Dallas. And uh, so Walbert's there and Chaffer has the contract. He said, now John, I must tell you, this is only a formality for the, there's no money in the bank. We have no money. We want you to teach, but we can't pay you. What did John do? John went and took a Presbyterian church in Fort Worth, signed the contract, and he was a wimpy kind of man because he only stayed 65 years. One of the moving things, I worked for a president of a small school, little money, a lot of work. He was not an academic, but he'd do anything. Sometimes I'd pull up on that campus. I was trying to be the academic. I sure didn't know what to do about fixing stuff. And I'd pull up. Sometimes you could find the president of the school digging a sewer line, doing this. He may be fixing the sewer. He'd get any faculty member or the vice president. He had Carolyn's uncle. They'd be down. You see him in ditches. And here I'm supposed to be the dean. What are you doing, Carl? You're the president. We don't have any money, and whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. I can fix this sewer line. we got to make it. What a profile, the president of the school down in a dirty ditch repairing a sewer line. There's something great about seeing any form of service. Listen, and I close. Denny, James Denny said this in 18, about 1860. There have been men so clever that God could make no use of them. They could never do his work because they were so lost in admiration of their own work. But God's work never depended on them, and it does not depend on them now. It depends on those who, when they see Jesus Christ, become unconscious Once and forever of all that they have used to call their own wisdom and their strength. The supreme law of the kingdom is still the glory of God and not the glory of the clever man. Are you wearing the apron? Are you a rev? Are you in love with status and position but your hands aren't dirty? You love God, you just can't stand people. Can't get touched. You're too holy. No, you're too proud. You're no better than my Savior. He's the model. He's the model. We're going to take a Bible offering day. We're trying to raise $5,000, and I want to tell you how we're going to waste it. We're raising this money because we don't have the money to underwrite Sean's Barbecue. Now, let me tell you why we call it Sean's Barbecue. You go down here to the projects down by Rodeo, Where you get drugs and you get beat up and you might get killed but they know of a little fat german boy named sean because sean's worked those streets he's talked and for over five to six years he's fed the kids there he's helped the mothers there he shared the gospel there he saw a trip, their face got painted once a year, that gifts were given, a free meal was given, a whole church turned out. We started next to a gas station down there that I thought he was crazy. I knew he was crazy. And what was crazier still is people showed up and were out there running barbecues to feed people. This is crazy. I've been called, I've been called to exegete Greek, not to fix hot dogs for poor people. You know, I, Low profile. They feed themselves. He didn't think so. And he did it for his birthday party. Now, you go down there in the projects, all you got to do is say, I'm with Sean's Barbecue. They say, well, my kid's gone there the last three years. You've done us good. We'll be there. And you're safe. Now, um, we're taking the money to buy food, hot dogs, buns, Because we're going to pour some folks that may never come to this church. And what a waste of money. Or do you waste money? Did you know Jesus washed Judas' feet? Ah, he did it. And he never did get saved. Anything you do, even for a man that goes to hell, if you did it in Jesus' name, you won't lose your reward. I tell this story in closing. I love it. E.V. Hill. Pastor St. John Missionary Baptist in Watts, L.A. And during the Watts rioting, Hill had set up block parties where a member from his church, he tried to take every member in a block of Watts and they would have a clothing dispensary. They would uh, feed. They would try to help anybody in trouble on that block. It was his way of trying to be peace and uh, touch the Watts neighborhood. Well, one day, and I, I'm pretty sure I know who the preacher was, but he was a prosperity preacher, and he met with Evie, and he said, I can understand why you waste so much money on the devil's children. You're down there clothing them, feeding them, doing things all over watch. They don't even go to your church. They're sure not driving to Cadillac. They're dangerous. They're dirty. And you, there you are out there feeding, clothing, and trying to help them. And Evie said so eloquently, he said, well, I kind of feel this way. I'm trying to keep the devil's children alive long enough for God to save them. <laughs> We've got to keep them alive. And so today we need $3,000 if God moves your heart to give uh Help us out. We're going to be good to him one way or the other. Because we never waste our time stooping. We never waste our time serving. And if we have to wait till we see him face to face, he'll say, we'll say to him, when did I ever help you, Jesus? He said, when you stooped in Rodeo and you fed somebody in my name. When you stooped to help a fallen person. When you stooped to not be a proud, egotistical pastor and you stooped just to wash dirty feet, you'll be like me. Jesus was never the model of how to preach. He was the model of how to serve. Our Father, we bless your name. We count it a privilege to be trying to walk in the steps of a Savior who stooped, and his stooping is why we're going to heaven. He stooped all the way to the cross. We bless your name. And I pray, Lord Jesus, as you visit our Sunday school and all of our departments, would you reward those that nobody knows they're there but you, but you see that they're laboring in your name. Reward them and bless them for all they do. In Jesus' name, amen. Go out and buy an apron and start washing feet. God bless you.